Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom, and truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me a local celebrity, I like to call her, someone very well respected in our community who has a ton of wisdom to impart on all of us. And she is a specialist and a leader in equitable and inclusive training for workplaces and working with inclusive and equitable leaders. She is a speaker, trainer, and consultant, and I am proud to call her my friend. Today, I'd like to introduce you all to the Ophelia Rigaud. Ophelia, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here, Sherry. Thank you for inviting me. I can't wait to jump in. (laughs) I am very excited to share your story with our listeners because I know you have a big reach and we're trying to get your words and your wisdom reaching even farther. So I hope that I can be a part of that because I have heard your story and the messages that you're teaching and sharing right now and they are critically important. And I want to make sure that that does get spread and your wisdom and all the things that you have to teach get shared with as many people as possible. Awesome. So we will get to what you're doing today. However, as with all my guests, I'd like to go backwards and just understand a little bit more about who you are. If you will share with us, you know, who you are, where you grew up, what your childhood was like, any highlights or lowlights or anything that you'd like to share. We would love to hear those. And then what your building years were like. So your 20s and your 30s. And again, any twists and turns that'll give us some context for this beautiful woman in front of us today. Well, let's see. I was born in Trinidad and Tobago. I was two islands, one country and grew up there for the first six years of my life. And then one of the twists and turns was my birth father passed away when I was four and a half, almost five years old. And that was the pivot, you know, looking retrospective now as an adult, I cannot imagine the courage that it took my mom to leave her family base of, it felt like I had thousands of cousins, but growing up in Trinidad was instrumental to the foundation of who I am today. And I'll share a little bit about that because I was the last of my grandmother's grandchildren. And if you're a grandmother out there or a grandparent, you know, you spoil your grandkids. So I was spoiled with love because prior to me on my birth, there was like six or seven boys. And then this girl came. So I had a lot of older cousins and then my dad died. My mother decided that she is going to come to Canada. We came to Canada. So that was a big change for me. And going from being with a big family of all aunties and uncles, and now it's just my mom and myself. And that was a shift because I went from being in a country where I was the dominant majority of black and brown people. Prime minister was black you know, just being in that community. And then I'm coming to Canada, where now I was a minority. So that was a culture shock. And then it was the culture shock of the environment of going from being the Caribbean, right now, I'm in Montreal. And if anybody knows Montreal winter is different than anywhere else. (laughs) 
Yeah, so that was my early years. And then we moved to Toronto and I grew up in Toronto and became a Torontonian. And I thought I would spend all my time there. And then, you know, like lots of women out there. MAN came into my life (laughs) and fell in love, got married, moved to Kingston and then went through a divorce. And then my mom died. So that's sort of where I am right now. And that was a big change. And so, yeah. That's a lot of stuff in there. A lot of stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. And where are you today? I guess, if you don't mind sharing, how old are you? I am 55. Well, will be 55. And I would say that a lot of women talk about in their 50s. That's where they change. For me, the big change happened when I was in my 40s. So when my mom died, I was just turned 40. That was my last birthday that she celebrated with me. And I was very close with my mom. She remarried when I was 12 and a half. And that man became my dad, my stepfather. And we grew up typical, you know, working class family in Toronto. I went to school. I did my university at York University, my education. And, you know, my mom worked hard. My stepdad worked hard to provide to his family. And then my mom and my dad became a professional foster parent. So then I grew up the end of high school and all through university, my parents were professional foster parents. So I grew up as an only child. And then my mom had all these kids always in the house, right? All these little kids. And they adopted one who's now my sister. So so the big change for me happened was unexpectedly and not planned was my mother's death. And that was the big change in my life because... I was very close with my mom. We all were. She was the matriarch of the family. And like anyone who have a human being that's so much part of your life, especially as a parent, you know, a parent is that one person that has been there your whole life. Like they know everything good and bad and indifference. And when my mom died, there was also this shock that, oh my God, I'm now the matriarch of the family. Because even though I had a large extended family, we were a small group of four, my sister, myself, my dad, and my mom. Right. And my mom was the linkage. When someone dies in your family, you don't realize the extent of the interconnectedness that they bring and hold together until they're not there and everything starts to weave. So layered on the death of my mother was the, I always like to say this grief brings out the best and worst and the indifference in people. And unfortunately, my death just caused a lot of fractures within part of my extended family. And I had support, but I didn't feel like this core that I grew up with, even though they were extended, we just stopped talking. I don't want to get into the details of that part. But that was really traumatic for me because I always felt like a bomb went off. Like, you know, it was instantly not only the death of my mom, but the death of this connection that I thought was really strong, that wasn't strong, but was really connected with my mom. I was one of the only first cousins that kind of grew up outside of Trinidad, right? And I came when I was six years old. So all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm not this person. It was questioning my connection, my social position in society and my family while grieving and honestly being very pissed off with certain people in my family. And you know, that happens in families, right? We have stories that we can share. But looking back, it was my mom's generation. I had people like the aunties and my mom's first cousins that I grew up calling aunties. They just stuck with me because they had lived all these things already. They know, right? You know, and fast forward to today, I'm such in a great place because my 40s was fabulous, but frantic. 
<laughs> you know, it was frenzy. It was frantic. It was a lot of drama and a lot of realization. I became a mom to my sister, helping with my dad. You know, he was getting older. But in looking back, that was really where I discovered who my strength, my real strength, because having my mom, my mom was my prayer, you know, anything was wrong, mom, oh my God. And I really realized that when my mom died, I really became an independent woman, mentally, spiritually, all those things, because I was no longer a child. You know, I was my dad's daughter. Yes, always. But I became the head of the family. Right. Right. And so my 40s was a lot about first it was I'm just going to step into my mom's shoes and just be her because that's what the family needs. And in doing that, I lost part of myself. And I became angry because I felt that I had all this responsibility. And it was very healing. And for me, every person, every woman, when they're faced with stress, they find a way to cope. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Sometimes it's working too much. It is not working too much. It's sleeping. It could be food, alcohol. And my addiction was food. And I gained tremendous amount of weight. And the weight represented the weight that I felt on my shoulders of all this responsibility. Right. And it took me a long time to realize that. But my mantra has always been all through this heaviness that I was going through was what my mom left me with. And my mom would always say, I would always hear her saying this, don't let anything steal your joy, even yourself. I love that. Right. And that's what kept me going back. So in times of crisis with my sister, you know, me being unwell and all this heaviness of things happening, you know, working for working sake, working to run away from, you know, the pressure, trying to be there, you know, getting involved in the relationship doesn't work out because you think that this is going to fix everything. All those things that every story that women have gone through, actually, the turning point was a call from my doctor saying, you have some really bad blood results. And he said, if I didn't know you, and you know, if I didn't know you and know your health history, I would be calling you to do some cancer screening. That's yeah. how stressed I was and how the blood results came back. And it was like the third time that this has happened over, you know, the decade in my 40s. And it was a turning point. I was really heavy. My body couldn't take it anymore. But even though you know that you need to make a change, that doesn't mean your body and mind is not changing. So I knew I need to make a change, but then it had to sink in on the mental and the physical. And the journey took me about seven years to where I am today, because it was a long journey. You realize you need to make the change, but then you had to make it and transform. And, you know, when you think about transformation, it doesn't happen until there's a dissidence and that dissidence happens with all that stress. And I had to make a choice and I had to choose me. Right. And that was really hard to choose me because I felt that I was letting my sister down. And at that time, my niece was younger, but the birth of my niece really helped me to see that she brought a lot of joy in our family. Now we weren't focusing on the death of my mom, but oh my God, there's this little cutie pie. And all she wanted was the future, right? So that was really the biggest shift with me. And it translated to where I am today in losing over 120 pounds. Good for you. And, but also in that transition and that story, you know, when we realize something, it triggers, you know, back to your childhood and all these things that's happened and why did it happen? That's why I said it took me seven years to get to this point. And I always like to say, when you see a woman who's successful and they're like, you know, oh my God, 
it doesn't happen overnight, right? And another thing my mom's always used to say, I am never envious or jealous of a woman's success because you don't know what they had to do to give up sacrifice. So if you want their success, be prepared to do all the things that they had to do to get to where they are. And sometimes you wouldn't be able to. That's right. She sounds like she was a beautiful, brilliant woman. Yes. Yes, she was. She was. That's fantastic. I love actually all of those things. They're in complete alignment. And I want to tell you that it feels a little magical because I am telling you the honest truth. Right now, my bathroom mirror says, choose joy today. (laughs) Yay. I love it that that word that aligned. It's in large part for me is same as you. I'm not letting anybody steal my joy. This is a beautiful day. I should be joyful. I should be grateful. And yes, there's going to be things and people coming at you. But should I let them steal that joy from today? The fact that I got today or whether there's a million dollars in the bank or zero dollars in the bank, it doesn't matter. Today, I'm choosing to be joyful. And so I love that key message that we're both feeling. And I love that that's a part of your life as well and one of your guiding principles. And that you have her with you singing that. It's beautiful. Yeah. And for me, working in the field that I work into, you know, I'm working, helping companies and organizations to bring more equity. If I'm bringing more equity, there's also the flip side of that is that we live in a world that's not equitable. Right. Right. So in realizing that, I always say that I walk into the intersection of joy and justice, because for me, this is just my personal feeling. I can't know this world is inequitable, right? Certain groups of people do not come to the table equally because of historical reasons. However, for me, I know this is true. I am doing my part to bring, to make a world more equitable by working with leaders who have power and privilege in their organizations or community leaders, however they are. But if I don't find that joy within, I cannot do this work. Right. So it's so important for women, I call it practicing radical self-care. Audre Lorde is one of my famous advocates and she has written a lot of work about equity and she has said that self-care is a radical act of protest and as women yes and as women and as you know especially you know black indigenous women historically we didn't have an opportunity to have self-care because we couldn't women have always worked right? Black woman has always worked, but sometimes, and even if you didn't have to work because as a woman and was privileged and you didn't have to work, you might not have been allowed to go out because of the times in certain fields or certain areas or whatever. So when we can practice self-care, it's an act of protest because when I'm practicing self-care, for example, most Fridays, that's my end of my week. I have built my business right now where I am totally self-employed. I create my own hours and it's taking a long time to do that. And I've been doing that for the last four to five years or so. And really consistently in the last three years, the pandemic was the biggest shift for me in my life, like many women, because we all had to learn, oh, you know what? This company that I'm working with said that I can't work at home. They denied it prior to 2020. You can't do it. It's not da 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 da. And then all of a sudden, 2019, 2020, it's like, oh my God, yeah, we can make you work at home. We can get the security. And then I thought to myself, I don't want to go back. And I couldn't go back because, well, I could. I shouldn't say I couldn't. For me, the biggest shift with, you know, all of that stuff with my health, my weight, my mental health, my self identity, just knowing who I was from the inside, because self confidence 
confidence comes from the inside. Then I had to let go of this other mindset that I could not make enough money to support myself and family and thrive, that I had to have this paycheck coming in every two weeks. And that was a scarcity mentality that I had to shift. (laughs) I could bet a lot of women are going, yep, I'm with you. I feel (laughs) you. But then it's this guilt that I felt because, you know, you grew up, you know, sort of the only way that you can make a living is that you got to work for a company and work for somebody else and help them create their dream. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I have done it for years, but that is what was making me sick. It was the rigid schedule that was outside of my own rhythm of what I needed, right? Right. What I needed to be. And it was never going to change. I had come to the reality that my energetic rhythm was different than working for a job 8.30 to 9.30. It just wasn't going to work. And it wasn't going to work if I was successfully going to now be, as my niece calls me, her pair aunt. Get it, auntie? That's what she oh, says. You're my pair aunt. Awesome. She's brilliant. <laughs> yes. So in order for me to be her pair aunt, I needed to prioritize my self-care, my radical. I needed to put on my gas masks first. Yes. Because I wasn't. I was being you know, the pandemic, I was caring for myself. I was caring for my niece. I was caring for my dad who was developing dementia. And it was really difficult. But the greatest wisdom that I got was from my dad, even though his mind was going. And my aunties who were in their 80s. So wisdom is always there. And it really helped me to realize that I needed to prioritize myself. And once I started doing that, it was awesome. It was awesome. Beautiful things. I also like that you said the analogy about the oxygen or the gas mask. You can't fill someone else's bucket from your own empty bucket. So true. You know, you're a better parent and you're a better community leader and you're a better, all the things, all the roles we play, sister, church member, all the things that we play, we're better at those when we're full to start. It's such a great Yeah. And so now you're doing some amazing work specifically. And I've watched you in the time that I've known you take on a couple of roles and have a couple of different hats. And I love the evolution because it has been building blocks to where we are today. And you seem very solid in the work that you're doing because it is so powerful and it is so meaningful and it has been an evolution correct me if you see that differently but I've even seen the steps and the stages you've always been a leader you always command a room and when you speak people listen and so I love that you're using that gift and that platform in a really important way so if you will share with us a little bit more about what you're doing today your business offering and what your vision is for your future self and what you're continuing to strive to do. So back to my mom saying already, because, you know, moms know you best. (laughs) What I'm doing today is what I always love to do. And I remember my mom was picking me up from a babysitter. She was working overtime at a factory and this was a fabulous babysitter. And she would keep me, even though she shouldn't, right? You know, she would keep me after hours. I would meet my mom at the bus stop because she didn't want to get off the bus and have to pay another ticket. So I would, the babysitter would walk me and I would be on the bus. So happy to see her. And now it's like eight o'clock at night and I'm there talking, 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 talking. <laughs> and my, I went, my mom looked at me and she says, Vanessa, aren't you tired talking? And I looked up and her go, no. <laughs> and she started to laugh. She goes, well, when you grow up, you better get a job that pays you to talk. And right. that's what I'm doing. I have a job that pays me to share my voice. And I use that in a way. And as you said, my business, like most people's business, I always knew I was an entrepreneur. My mom was an entrepreneur. But I really see 
that I am my brand, I am my business. As I got more grounded in who I am on all different levels, it really went back to my experience as a six-year-old coming into Canada and having no voice. My mom didn't have a voice. She didn't understand the system. And it was a woman that sponsored her and many other women, white females who my mom connected to were her allies and her advocates. And they advocated for me for that school not to put me back into kindergarten because at the time... If you came from another country, if maybe the idea was that because I wasn't educated in Canada and I came here to in Canada from Trinidad, that I should go back to kindergarten. Right. So that was the and I remember this distinctively. This woman was saying, no, Vanessa can speak. She can read. She's reading better than my my daughter. And you want to put her back. So that was how, you know, systemic racism, this is a bias. I'm going to have a bias that because you're from not a developing country, and I'm using air quotes, your education system is less than. That, to me, fast forward to today, why I work with inclusive leaders, and it's really important that I say that, is that an inclusive leader or an inclusive organization see the issues in our community, see the inequities, and say, how can we break down those barriers. So that's what I do. And I do it in a couple of ways. So that's the umbrella of what I do. And because of my creative nature, it may, the face of it may look different. So one of the things that I'm most proud is bringing a program called Shine into my a local school here, my niece's local school, because her at six years old had a negative experience about being a Black child. And I'm thinking, no, 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 this is not going to happen. Created this program called Shine. I finished my master's in education. I said, hey, I'm going to put all my training to work. and I created a program for Black, Indigenous, and children of color, and it's really a club. We get together once a week, and it's a safe space for them to share their story and their feeling and to build confidence and resiliency. And Shine starts for self-esteem, hope, inclusiveness, neighborhoods, and empowerment. Right? Right? So it's to build that community, and the whole goal of that program is to maybe get parents to come in and tell their stories, and the teachers are excited because teachers are sharing their experience when they were kids. And they say, I wish I had this program and it's becoming noticeable. So I do, that's my volunteer work. I have a TV show where I'm going into the fifth season on your TV Kingston. And we do really intimate interviews with people around topics that that I want to highlight that aren't really going to be highlighted. And then I have my business where I'm a trainer and an educator where I work with clients. Usually it's around a project they have. And currently I'm working with BPW Canada around bringing gender equity and another organization here in Kingston. I'm working with their leadership team about building resiliency. So that's what I love. And it gives me the freedom to then create something. And my my creation that I want, legacy that I want to leave is building up that Shine program. I would like that to become, I didn't know. So this was the thing. This is how I, you know, I wanted, what I would love to leave with women is that sometimes you set a goal for yourself and I'm a woman of faith. God has a bigger goal for you. Right. And a lot of times we want to put ourselves and we're scared to dream big and have gorgeous big dreams and be open that okay a perfect example I want a new car be open that maybe the new car you might say well I want a Mercedes fine and you want a specific color but what about if God wanted you to have a different car and a different color so be specific what you want but also be open to letting God the universe however you define that energy to bring you what you need because maybe having 
the red Volkswagen, let's just say, the reason why the universe and God wants you to have that particular car is that you're going to meet your future business partner that you wouldn't have met. So I'm always open that my idea, what I started my business for like five years ago was to be a grief educator, right? And that's what I was focused on. It was going really well. The pandemic hit and it was like, I was doing everything in person. I had the space and I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do in-person yoga teaching. I couldn't do grief counseling because people wanted it in person. My business went from flourishing to making absolutely nothing. Where I had my office space, they closed down. I was like, what am I going to do? And then I got involved with the weekend. And in that experience, as a woman, as a Black woman, dealing with all of these things, I thought, we are all dealing with the same story, but my situation, how can I bring equity for myself? And that's what the change. And I started to talk about that with grief and equity. And then I decided I'm going to go back to school and I want a scholarship, you know, so that helped me. That was, you know, and then I started to talk more and more about equity. And here I am today creating a shine program, creating a legacy that I would never have thought of if I didn't have my niece, if the pandemic didn't happen. So be open for your dreams to expand in a way that God knows that he wants it to be expanded for, or she wants it to be expanded for. Because now looking back, I always say, well, Jesus, it's like, you know me well. <laughs> like you had a plan for me from the beginning. You connected that story that I survived with attitude from that teacher at six years old to now my niece at six years old. And as all the drama and trauma that I've gone through, I wouldn't change anything. That is so not change anything. We are not on video, but I have yes. a giant smile and hands up. <laughs> Preach it, sister, because you're yes. so right. That's probably a great place to bring it in for a landing because I don't know how we could say any more or any better. No. Nope. people wanted to connect with you, where would they get in touch? The best place to do is go to my website at vophiliarigo.com or just put in my name and I can pop up on social media. But the best place is my website. That is beautiful. I want to so sincerely thank you for sharing today. You are a shining light. Shine. You do shine and I will never forget that word and I will always associate it with you. That is going to be something huge. I can feel it for you. And I love that for you. So as much as I or any of my listeners can do to help spread that word and spread that program, we are all in for you. And I cannot thank you enough. Any last words or thoughts you'd like to share? I want to encourage any woman that's out there that's listening or anybody that's listening to always shine that in your darkest moment, just know just because the sun is not there doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. There's always light and seek help, seek support, and don't forget you have the light inside of you and share it with the world. Absolutely. And to all of my listeners, on behalf of Ophelia, myself, and her mother, God rest her soul, don't let anything steal your joy today. 